Welcome back to another edition of the Blog Boy Roundtable presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I am joined by Anthony Vito, Robert Stieg, Nathan Bond of the Bay Area Examiner. I am Seth Bonador. And we also have Nick Simon of DraftKings Network. Boy, it's a pretty good week last week. Nobody had a losing week. Uh, you had three three and ones and a couple two and twos in there. Um, record right now, knock on wood, is pretty good. 47 and 33 for the year. Um, and we had some big games last week. We all hit, uh, we all picked FSU to cover two and a half. Uh, were we fortunate to cover that one? What do you guys think? Quite possibly. I mean, uh, <laughs> a, the, a, a kicker could have completely changed that for Clemson. And I feel really bad for that kid who, you know, was probably en route to a job in New York and he decided to come off the bench. And yikes, I just can't imagine. But I mean, Keon Coleman. Yeah. Nate, Nathan and I were in the press box. So we were kind of talking in the, the game. We're like, is are they going to try to set up for a kick for this dude that just got cleared for contact today? And that's uh, exactly what they did. I, I mean, you of all the choices that's got to be at the very bottom of the ones you actually want to do. Like they truly, truly set up to kick a game when he was like a 41 yard field goal. Like it wasn't even a chip shot. Like, Oh uh, man. We've got Dabo, a special Dabo, guest Dabo, here. Boy. Oh, wow. The, the crew is finally all here. Colin, we're talking Florida State, Clemson. We all picked Florida State to cover the two and a half. Uh, do you do. think we were fortunate? <clears throat> yeah. Um, to this week that I was really trying to, to figure out whether I got the best of it or not, I think I was wrong about Ohio State. I had Ohio State minus three. Um, obviously, two and a half would have been fine, but um, I think I got that wrong. I think that was just a coin flip game, and I probably shouldn't have laid the three. Um, with Florida State, um, it's closer, but I think they just didn't get a call. Like so many of those jump balls to Coleman, you know, and there were a couple holds in there. Like if you go back and watch the tape, it seems like Clemson got like every freaking call. Um, so home. that was a little bit closer. I think on the numbers, yeah, you'd say 50-50. But if you actually watch the game, uh, probably a little bit closer to being right and just being a little unlucky. Um, Nick, what were your thoughts? I mean, like you just mentioned those jump ball passes like all game, like just spamming And when you have those dudes, it's eventually, I mean, it's not, it's not, um, it, it's not a bad strategy when you have those dudes like Keon Coleman, eventually like one of them is going to, one of them is going to break and prove the difference for that FSU team, man, they, they're, they, they could go to distance in a, ACC play. Like that was their biggest hurdle and, or one of their biggest hurdles so far. And, yeah, that team's that team's going places, man. Yeah, it was a uh, passing a big test, right? They hadn't beaten Clemson in seven years. Now, like on the other side of it, it certainly looked like Clemson was going into score to go up fourteen, which the way their defense was playing probably wins the game. Uh, but Florida State, great call on the blitz, great execution. The guy picks up the fumble, houses it, and then a whole new ball game. So uh, that was a fun one to watch there at noon. The next one uh, was fun, depending, I guess, on what side you were on. Uh, and it was also the biggest game of the weekend in terms of viewership. Colorado at Oregon. Uh, we were somewhat split. Stieg and I both took Oregon minus 21. Uh, Nate was hoping for that back door with Colorado. And 
Colorado did not do its part for the over for Nick and Vito. Uh, I, I thought they would score a little more, but man, uh, Oregon came out seemingly uh, to prove a point there. Oh yeah, they and and they they had an agenda. Let me tell you something. After uh, they posted that video with uh, what was said on the Colorado, I mean Colorado playing players saying it to the Oregon staff members. Is just wild. That's tough. Like that's, I I'm all like I I've been around it. I've I've been on those sidelines before. I know there's a lot of chirping, a lot of chatting, and everything like that. But I'm a grown man that you're gonna knock him out, a strength coach, Ooh, buddy, you, you uh, better not lose at that point. I also wouldn't have gone with the you're too you're too small would would not have been one of my choices if I was a Colorado player when you look at the Colorado defense. Nick, you had the over. Um, just do you think the Colorado offense is being figured out a little bit, or it's just that they they're so bad up front? They're just so bad up front. I I I went with the over because I I, I figured Oregon would you know handily would handily beat them, but I I just thought like okay, Shador, Jimmy, Xavier. Uh, yeah, Xavier Weaver, you know, you're going to put up at least a, you're going to put up at least 28 points in this game. And they just got ran, ran off the field, man. It, that, that was that was that was just bad. It clearly it clearly illustrated, OK, this is still a rebuild, like for all the glitz and glamour and hype that Colorado has. There's still an actual rebuilding process for this program and the hardest thing is to shore up those lines. And yeah, it's, they could be in for, they'll, they, they won't, they won't go over for the rest of the way, but they could be in for some rough games, especially, especially this one coming up this weekend. Yeah. Another big spread. They do get both the Arizona schools and Stanford. So um, you might be able to, to get some of those. And if you get all those, you make a bowl game, which, like is a huge accomplishment for what uh, Dion inherited there. Um, for, uh, Nathan, if you uh, if you heard the pregame speech b- before you made your pick, would that have changed your pick from Dan Lanning? Because it, it seemed like kind of the back door was, and I struggled with that too. I almost took Colorado as well because I thought they'd kind of be able to creep in the back door there, but uh, the motivation seemed to be high for Oregon. Yeah, uh, wish I had seen that prior to making the pick. <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, it's the the opposite of a couple of weeks ago when uh, Phil uh, Trukovich basically just called out fans for booing him for completing like four passes. It's like, just the opposite of that. Like, it would have completely swung my thought process. And I mean, we knew Oregon was good. I fig- I figured they'd win. I thought, yeah, you know, back to where it maybe. Um, but. Yeah, it was padlocked and then like nailed shut, and then there was cement and some bricks. It was like it was like the old cartoon, like the octopus. Right, like it was. It was over before it started. Yeah, I I think that was one of those where if you're watching that covering Pac-12 a little more than than I am, um, and you're seeing beat writers and you trust beat writers, and you're seeing things from people close to the program. That's one of those where that's that's a game where you can just pick it up because if you had known that it meant that much to that team to do that, 
that they were going to dunk on them, that they weren't going to back off, that they were going to keep it full. I mean, I didn't want to lay more than 21. You know what I mean? That's three scores. You know, I don't want to lay more than that if I don't have to. Yeah. But if I had seen, you know, practice that week, if I heard the rhetoric, if I had some insight into that program, I think that's one where you just very casually lay up to like 27 and go, not a problem because they're just going, they're on dunk. Um, you know, and I think Shadur, like it's so unfortunate for Shadur, that line just in front of him is not very good. That kid's a stud. That yes, kid very good. is just legitimately really, really good at football. But I did, their defense is just terrible. And when a team can pin its ears back against Colorado, they're going to get boat raced. Um, they might they might make some moves on USC, though. Um, I don't know if you saw that USC defense against Arizona State, but uh, <laughs> there was some, let's just say there were some tackling issues. I was up very late watching that one. Um, yeah. well, thanks a lot, some, Arizona State. Kept me up till yeah. today just to lose. <laughs> Can, yeah, Kenny, I mean, the game in the fourth quarter and, um, you know, the spread was 34 and it was uh, very much a football game. Um, and, you know, Dillingham, he did all the right things. You know, he he took the shot. He he went on sides early you know, he took a crazy onsides try. You know, he was trying to, he was playing to win. Um, would you like to see? I like the future of that Arizona State team. I think they got the right coach. I think they got a great quarterback, too, that they paid good money for. Um, but in the long run, um, you know, I think USC Colorado this week could just be up and down and, you know, this could be a lot of points, like 80 points would not surprise me at all. My question is, do you think this Colorado just kind of Vito, what do you think? Seeing how Oregon kind of responded to the Colorado stuff. Now, I don't think I'd imagine the trash talk maybe dies down a little bit from Colorado players, but it certainly seemed like this isn't a game. I think Bud Elliott made this point too, that it's not like this is not the, you're going to get everyone's best effort now just because of how many eyeballs you're going to get. Is that, does that kind of change, you know, what you think of kind of this USC Colorado game where maybe in the past, it would be like a, uh, a look ahead spot. Yeah. I think everybody really wants to, to show what they can do against this Colorado team, especially getting all the, all the attention that they're doing. I mean, everyone would uh, there was not let's saying oh everybody else helped dan landing coach this game and figure out how to beat colorado but i mean dan dan landing i mean he's got that bulldog in him you know he was national championship winning defensive coordinator he knows what's going on all all i gotta say from this past one 522 to 199 total yards in favor oregon 30 to 13 first downs like that's all you need to know i think everyone's has a little more juice on colorado they want to beat them they want they they want to show that hey you know there's a reason why we're the top of the pac-12 and why the pac-12 is so impressive but I think that also shows you like that's what the Dion effect can do. He brought in the guys. He turned this team from a one loss team to a, a legitimately good team. Now, not a playoff contender like Oregon's trying to be, but I, I think that's going to get everyone's extra effort. But uh, to Colin's point, yeah, I think this um, Colorado team could probably put up the points that we thought they would do against Oregon. Shame on us for thinking they do over what 71, 72. Um, I thought it'd be more of a, a fun game like that, but they might do that against USC. I don't think they're going to win, but USC um, has the defense or has the defensive uh, deficiencies that may allow for like a Xavier Weaver or a Jimmy Horn to uh, get in space. Yeah. Is Dan Lanning appropriating Kirby Smart's accent for his pregame speeches? Dan Lanning's <laughs> from Missouri. There was a lot of draw in that pregame speech. I think I think he's dipping into the Kirby stuff a little too much, but it worked pretty well uh, for him last week, and they look to be a really good team. So it's right, like you, you go, go to a foreign country for two weeks and pick <laughs> up the accent. Little Brad Friel esque. As an aside, Colorado better not become this like humble team like that. 
that's not who Dion is. I don't like, think that this one be. ass whooping better not be the thing that changes them because if they do, they're going to be in for a long, long season. Just let him play we, USC keep, tight. Yeah, <laughs> just keep, talk, see what keep keep talking your shit. Eventually, either it'll turn or it you'll just you know. Uh, was it Randy Marsh? Uh, I, I didn't say we were done. <laughs> like, I didn't hear no bell. Hear no bell. <laughs> <laughs> like so, bro. That's gonna really have, what it boils down to. They're gonna have uh, Jay Z and LeBron in the house on Saturday. Like you can't just suddenly become this humble team overnight. But, yeah, no. Uh, you gotta, you gotta keep going. They're not gonna put their names on like the top of the jersey in like a cursive, like a uh, or mechanics or anything, something <laughs> like that. Right. And they're gonna have Wheezy. Wheezy's coming back for another week, so they they take the big loss, and Wheezy sticks with it. I respect it. Um, you know, I, I think that's huge, especially because you know Buffalo, big one, right there. Crazy. All right, let's move on to this week. So we are starting. Uh, we just finished talking about a Pac-12 game. We're starting with another Pac-12 game for now. Uh, this will be. I guess it won't be a Big 12 game because Oregon State's not coming. You got Utah. At Oregon State, Oregon State is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is at forty four and a half. Nick, where are you, what are you thinking in this one? Oregon State's coming off a loss to Washington State. Utah just keeps grinding people into a pace. It seems like. Uh, what is your what's your pick here? What's your lean? I'm leaning towards Utah here. Pick against them. You know, cam rising or no cam rising. That's been the question for the Utes all season long. And it hasn't really mattered because like you just mentioned, this team just continues to grind people down. They're perfectly comfortable winning, winning ugly in any environment. It's going to be cool and chilly, you know, in a Corvallis this weekend, it's going to even get down into like the low forties, which perfect. Like again, pick against Utah at your own, at your own risk. This, this team, again, that, that's going to be – we just talked about Colorado and all these teams getting up uh, getting up to play them. Man, that is – oh, man, the things that they're going to do to that Colorado offensive line. But uh, for this game, give me, give me Utah to cover here. Yeah, I, it's, this is a, definitely – obviously the, the spread has this kind of a – Toss up ish game, Steve. Which way do you lean here? You're you're on fire still. This one's going straight off the vibes. Uh, Oregon State, no particular reason. Uh, I I tend to favor uh, Pac-12 home teams. I don't know what it is about that uh, that the country. Uh, I know some instances it pays off, some instances it doesn't. Uh, but I, I this this growing gut feeling that. Oregon State has the old chip on their shoulder uh, and this disdain towards uh, some of these Pac-12 defectors. <laughs> and, uh, Utah being one of those uh, that's kind of started that domino effect of now we have the Pac-2. Um, I think they've got a little bit more to play for here, and so we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I got Oregon State winning here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with you, Steve, not just because you're – the hot is better going right now. Uh, just uh, a home game. I think that's important. Utah has played once on the road this year. They played at Baylor, one twenty to thirteen. This Oregon State team is a lot better than that Baylor team, uh, and I think the home field advantage is probably a lot better in Corvallis than it is in Waco. And uh, you know, Oregon State's got is a 
metrically, they're a pretty good team by a lot of the advanced numbers. Utah is as well, but their offense is not. So I, I think Oregon State can put enough together offensively, and their defense is good enough to really slow down Utah, in my opinion, and they're the home team. This is one where I'm kind of would be probably leaning towards the home team just because it seems like one of those type of series. Uh, but I'm going to go with Oregon State as well. Uh, Nate, where are you leaning here? Uh, I'm taking Utah. I think I don't think Oregon State is quite good enough. Uh, you kind of saw it against Washington State uh, and gave up 38 points. Uh, I I think Cam Ward's probably the best of the Cams uh, that they'll face over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I think Cam Rising's still halfway decent. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think he plays. Do you call like Colin? What's your take based on the line? Yeah. <clears throat> so as somebody who got burned last week, because I ended up with I, I saw the move and I still <laughs> go to to Utah minus six, and I went, oh well, I guess he's playing, so I better grab it now. He doesn't play, kicks it three and a half, and I'm like, well, that sucks. Didn't matter. Um, I still covered, but like I this one's tough for me. So if you go by FBI, uh, the Beavers are actually a half point ahead on a neutral field. And if you go by SP plus, the Utes are a point ahead on a neutral field. So three and a half seems right to me um, on the road that, you know, maybe three, I probably, you know, honestly, I, I lean points just like on a math basis, but like I ain't bent against Utah. I mean, they're just so good. And let's face it, they're going to force Ugilele into a mistake. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that, that defense is just going to force a turnover at some point, maybe more than one. And you don't bet against Utah in fourth quarters. I mean, just never. No, I mean, I don't care. There's no amount of money that I'm going to ever put. You know, I don't care how many points you give me. I'm never betting against Utah in the fourth quarter the way they're just and, so efficient the way they run the ball. You know, I think Washington, Washington State was probably the first team that Oregon State's played that had a pulse and were, they were able to get pointsy with them. Um, San Diego State, historically, I mean – I think that chip has sailed. Like they're just not, they're just never going to be good on offense <laughs> literally ever again. Um, and then San Jose state, same, like the first team they played with a, a pulse, they put a, you know, gave up 38. And uh, I think we can agree. Uh, Utah's defense is stout and good enough to stop a quarterback who threw for a 50% completion percentage last week. I just know DJ is it. And that, and that very well, they could put him in the Anaconda vice like they did uh, UCLA's young quarterback last week. And that could be that Vito, where are you leaning here? We've got, uh, we've got a kind of a mixed bag here so far. This is a really good game to pick because consensus is Utah is going to put you in a blender and they're going to win a game like this. It is on the road on a Friday. That is a very strange place to be at Oregon State. Oregon State probably wants to prove that what happened against Washington State isn't a repeat thing. And of course, they want to they want to play. They have a chip on their shoulders against these teams that are leaving. Um, they can get pointsy. Utah can't. And we haven't seen them with Cam Rising. But if Rising doesn't play, they pretty much need that Utah defense to play strong. And if and if they don't, where are they getting the points from? And that's kind of the question. Nate Johnson, I, I get can um, can um, can move the ball, but Utah's only put up the their highest point total is thirty one against Weber State, twenty against Baylor in that win. U, UCLA they only won fourteen seven. I think Oregon State's going to be able to put enough points and and with their rushing attack, do what they need to do to get what uh, to get enough points to beat Utah to get past that threshold of being put in a blender by Utah. 
I think the added chip on their shoulder is where you go. And uh, Nate, I really like how you called them the cams because Cam Cam Ward and Cam Rising. By goodness, I always forget that. I always forget which one's which at, at any given point in time. Um, but um, really, just comes can uh, DJ Uyunglele uh, come up with some magic again um, and, and and make some plays. And I think that'll be the answer there. But this is a good game to pick. I like Oregon State in this one. All right, Colin, did you you were you were thinking Utah? Was that what you were thinking? Yeah, just just because I have the hook. Um, You know, this I I'm going to lean that way. Um, If it wasn't, you know, if it was three instead of three and a half, I'm probably stay away. Um, But with the hook, I'll take it. And yeah, I I agree. Friday nights in Corvallis can get super duper weird, but I do believe that Utah has scored on their opening drive every game this season. I think they've scored touchdown on their opening drive, and when they play from a lead, they're just really really tough. Um, so I don't know. This one's, this one's tough, but give me the three and a half and, and Kyle Woodingham is just, he's one of the best coaches to bet on because you just feel so comfortable in second halves and in fourth quarters when you have a lead that he's just going to sit on someone's head. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really good coaching matchup. I think both staffs are really good, but yeah, Whittingham's been at it for a while and super, that's, they're just so well coached. There's some uh, really good team. There's some really good betting teams. These are two really good betting teams that like really cover with really good staff. Smith is a great coach too. Yeah. Um, look at uh, um, San Jose State's another one, just another team that just plays really smart, really thoughtful football. All right, moving on to the next game. Uh, we picked one of these, the game involving one of these teams last week. We picked the, uh, we, we're, we're going on to LSU at Ole Miss. LSU is currently a two and a half point favorite. Last week, um, I picked Alabama minus seven. Vito and Nick both were under the 55 and a half. Uh, after they picked that, I thought I kind of wish I would have picked that instead. And that, that was, you guys nailed that. Um, and Lane Kiffin was doing a lot of talking last week, but it didn't seem uh, to back it up. Now, once you start going back through Ole Miss's schedule, they beat a bad Georgia Tech team. They beat Tulane without Michael Pratt and kind of struggled at times in that game. Um, and last year, they ended the year on like a crazy long losing streak, didn't they? So uh, is Ole Miss on fraud alert? Are they that's busters? Exactly what I'll, that's exactly what I wrote down. It's yeah, I think this Ole Miss team is a little bit fraudulent. A lot of it fraudulent. Like last week was your one chance, probably your one chance to beat Nick Saban, and your offense was rendered obsolete. This Ole Miss team, it's when I look at this Ole Miss team, they were held to three point seven. Uh, hold on. They were, yeah, they were, yeah. Um, it's it's concerning with this team when you have one of the best preseason running backs in Quinshawn Junkins in the SEC, and he's been just a non-factor. It's been very strange, like watching him struggle to get to 60 yards per game. And then you're now facing an LSU team that held Arkansas to 3.7 yards per carry last week. Yeah, give me LSU here. Again, like I said, this Ole Miss team, fraudulent. Lane Kiffin, he's been wanting to leave Oxford for a big boy job for a long time. Buddy, you're going to be stuck in Oxford forever. <laughs> give, yeah, give me LSU here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm taking LSU uh, minus the two and a half as well. You know the the Florida State the defense hasn't been great, but I think some of that's inflated by just kind of 
Florida State just rolling, catching fire, and just kind of when they really have it going, they're really tough to stop. I think LSU just ran to a buzzsaw that second half. But the LSU offense is really good. Um, I don't trust Ole Miss. Two and a half, you know, I, I think the LSU defense with those two big defensive tackles down there can, like you kind of mentioned, that can kind of render the rushing game a little obsolete. And then Jackson Dart's going to have to throw to a bunch of guys that haven't been playing a ton. Like Zachary Franklin's not, I think my, last week might have been his first game of the year. So, you know, maybe they get those guys rolling. But uh, that's a very beatable Alabama team, as we saw. And I think LSU has a lot more talent. Uh, especially at the skill position. So this one maybe could get pointsy if LSU's back in, can't hang on, but I think the LSU offense is the best unit by far. So I'm going to roll with them. Vito, what are you thinking on this one? Man, this is a tough one. And it's very strange to me that Ole Miss is favored on uh, FPI because I don't see I don't see it. I'm kind of with you guys. <laughs> I think Ole Miss might be on fraud alert. They haven't really showed that they can go ahead and take the reins. I'm outside of like wins against um, – Mercer, I believe, 73 to 7. And I mean, they walloped on Georgia Tech. But I this game is so weird. I think LSU should be able to win this. I'm going to take them minus two and a half at, at the moment. I think uh, Malik Neighbors is going to be Malik Neighbors. And I think they're going to be able to do enough on offense. And I'm hoping Harold Perkins comes out and plays like the player he should be um, and should be able to cause Jackson Dart and uh, Quitch on Judkins to have the issue, uh, have some issues on offense. So I like LSU minus two and a half. It's I still don't understand how FPI has Ole Miss with the fifty six point five percent rate to win. That feels very strange to me. But um, LSU, I, I like them a little bit better. I trust Brian Kelly a little bit better right here in the spot. Yeah, I, I think the big the LSU defense is really bad. Like metric, the EPA and all those kind of metrics are not great for them. But uh, I think their offense is really good. Nate. Nathan, where are you leaning on this one? Uh, LSU, I think Ole Miss, is, like you said, they're frauds. They're, this was your one shot right here at a weaker than normal Alabama team. And you gave up more points to them than you, than USF did. Like, is that is that really who we're supposed to be trusting against an LSU team who's – starting to figure it out and they're recruiting well and you know know, for all of his faults and uh his implosions brian kelly's actually a pretty good coach Uh, i'm gonna trust him over the brain hive of uh you know kiffin and and charlie weiss jr uh the nepo babies so yeah give me give me lsu and the two and a half brutal (laughs) see Top rope. Steve. Steve, where are you? If his name was Lane Jones, would he have this many jobs? I don't know. Uh, He would still be somewhere on a tarmac. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Steve, uh, where are you leaning? Uh, I I'm I'm with everyone else. I'm I'm leaning towards LSU. I, I think one other extra in this is um, looking at. I mean, we've we've eclipsed the four week mark, and this is kind of the the telltale sign of where a team is mentally. Um, you'll you'll start noticing some players to the transfer portal uh, starting this week, going into next week as well. A lot of these guys are trying to preserve red shirts and trying to trying to keep themselves in the right position. Uh, there are some teams that are having some guys bail, and uh, some players, some uh, teams like UConn who had a few guys into the portal. Uh, Ole Miss had I think three guys into the portal, and then uh, another guy is no longer with the team. Uh, usually a pretty good sign if you're in week four and you've got guys that are like, yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm done. 
the problem, especially at a school at an SEC school like that, where you know the fortune can turn in favor pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So I, I think mentally, Ole Miss is not there. Um, I think that there's a lot of issues with how Lane handled the offseason last year. I don't feel like he rebuilt the program very well um, or rebuilt anything there. So yeah, just give me LSU. I, I think two and a half points is just because it's being played in Oxford and for some godforsaken reason, it's a difficult play. Yeah. Colin, what do you, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I, I don't like this game um, at all. I'm, I think this LSU. <laughs> we put the pressure on you on this show. We just picked, we picked yeah, all the matchups, not our favorites, unfortunately. You know, you look at the, the numbers from LSU Arkansas last weekend, and that's a coin flip game, which really it shouldn't be. I mean, you know, KJ Jefferson's been in college for a long ass time, but like, you know, to allow him to, I mean, LSU got 426 yards. If they don't commit two turnovers, um, I think they're in trouble. Uh, those were both picks that they forced on on Jefferson. Are you going to be able to get picks on on Jackson Dart? Probably, but the yardage numbers, um, you know, if LSU is holding you to 3.7 yards per rush and they're not running away with the game, like, it's, how's that happen? You know what I mean? Um, that's sort of what makes it interesting is they they hold Arkansas to 3.7, you know, yards per carry and they get two turnovers um, and they still struggle. So, you know, those are the things to look at. I do agree that like the metrics on this one have these teams basically tied, but it certainly seems like the betting community um, is just completely ignoring home field and and laying the two and a half, um, you know, forcing the two and a half on the road. I'm going to think that this probably opened it opened three at Circa and got bet, and is now bet down to two and a half. Um, I would I would think that the, the, the wagering public might fire this up to three pretty close here. Um, if Jackson Dart is your quarterback, that means Jackson Dart is your quarterback. And, you know, he's going to make some mistakes. It's a big game at home. The whole thing about Lane having checked out, I think, is something that's um, become a narrative at this point. And I think it might be hard for him to sustain and keep this going. This is kind of where we got to at LSU. You know, LSU got a bit of an excuse because they, they were down 20 scholarships or whatever it was. Or USC, like rather. Or USC, excuse me. Yeah. Um, when, um, when you know they lost 20 scholarships and he got he got the band hammer so the first couple of years he got kind of exempt and then it got a little wonky there in year four and look what happened he got tarmac so um he just might be running out of gas here and that could be a problem so we'll see um but again this isn't a game that i love um i would probably it's probably one of those where it's like two and a half i'll take the road team three i'll, I'll take home or excuse me okay. yeah all right <laughs> Let's move on to our last game here. Then we'll go off the board. Uh, another game we picked last week, and uh, we had it at Ohio State minus three. So we all got to experience the greatest push in South Bend since uh, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert were on the field together. Uh, the, no, we uh, four of us at Ohio State minus three. Steak had their game plus three. It was a nice push. Um, was were were any of you surprised by Notre Dame's performance? They're right now they're a five and a half point favorite at Duke. Uh, total is at fifty two. Was that a surprising performance? I thought the Ohio State offense would be able to move the ball a little bit better. So their defense surprised me a little bit. I was surprised they played the last uh, couple plays a man down. If we're being <laughs> honest, apparently that happened earlier in the year on one play. So oh my god, uh, that yeah, I, I, I was yeah. absolutely shocked. Notre Dame showed that they can play. Uh, and I was all, also just impressed with Ohio State and Kyle McCord, who uh, you know, orchestrated that that final drive. I mean, winning on a walk off like that when anything could happen, you know, in, in that spot, 
uh, in prime time. I mean, what an incredible ending that was. Um, but Notre Dame showed to me that they can play and they can compete at this level against a playoff contender and a powerhouse. Like in years past, it seems like a Brian Kelly team like that would lose by 20 or, you know, make it close at the end, but not really. So I would, I was surprised by that on Notre was Dame. It, and, was that the same end zone as the Bush push? I think it was right. Yes. Unless they changed the, yes. <laughs> Unless they change the camera angle, yes. Yeah, that's a cursed end zone. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Is that, is that also the same Enzo of Kayvon Webster's uh, scoop and score? I think it might have been. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's the one Kayvon scored in. Because I was at that game, and I... I yeah. That's where it started. Okay. He crossed one the goal line. No, I guess it wasn't yeah. started there, so... Which side's uh, touchdown Jesus? Is, it the, is that the opposite end zone? Ah, Okay. So, uh, do you, do we think did this tell you more about Notre Dame or Ohio State? Um, I think it, I think it shows. Oh, go ahead, Colin. You you go ahead, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I was I I think it showed more about Notre Dame. I think they're pretty good, and I also think Ohio State's just got ball movement issues. Like I think this is a a very good Ohio State team that's not good enough. Um, Penn State's going to give them some problems too. It's not just going to be Michigan this year. Um, I think that game gets super interesting at this point. Um, you can get after this. You can get after this team and quarterback. They're going to make some mistakes, um, put them under pressure. Amazing to me that there were no turnovers in this game. It blew me away that both of these teams were able to not turn the ball over um, more frequently with as much pressure as the defenses were getting with the inability of Ohio State to run the ball. And not a ton um, of negative plays. Not a ton of tackle yeah. plays either. Just kind of a... Just really like, you know, all right, we're going to give you two yards. All right, third and long, throw the ball, punt. You know, a lot of that. And um, I I thought it was, you know, I think it showed a lot of, of flaws. I do think this was a coin flip game. I had, I laid the three. I did it strictly because I saw the bet splits and the sharp play was clearly to be on the Ohio State side. Um, all of the betting community, the sharper betting community was on Ohio State. So I just, I basically tailed it. I didn't love it, but I was like, maybe I'm missing something here. So I tailed it and I got bailed out. Um, Nathan, do you think this shows us more about Ohio State or Notre Dame? I was kind of, yeah, kind of echoing what Colin said. I think they're they're a lot better, and than probably I expected coming into the season. I think having a legitimate quarterback uh, with Sam Hartman, you know, you you know, I, I love having competent quarterbacks at the college level, and I think he's competent enough to kind of get the job done. So, uh, probably the best quarterback they've had. Honestly, quite some time. Um, Brady Quinn maybe was probably their last like actually good college quarterback. Um, so Jimmy Clausen, Ian oh, Book Erasure, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to see what um, what they can do the rest of the year. They, you know, it's a pretty tough slate. I think they have USC in a couple weeks. They're at Louisville uh, next week. Pitt. Uh, the Clemson game in November. Um, November is going to be kind of easy for him. Uh, at Clemson, home for Wake. That'll be an interesting game. And then you close out at Stanford. So get to October. What, yeah. Nick, what were your thoughts on just Ohio State Notre Dame? Kind of a heavyweight battle, an old school. Somebody said this is a big, I saw someone on Twitter say this is a Big Ten West game if the teams are super talented. This yeah, is what I was like. I, I forgot who was, who said it, but this was like a, this was like the best, probably one of the best 17, like big time, like 17, 14 type of games that you'll, that you'll see between two, um, 
heavyweight programs. But yeah, kind of echoing what you guys said, this is, you know, even though they lost and they ha- obviously had the embarrassing 10 men on the field um, fiasco for both plays, um, Notre Dame acquitted themselves well. I think I think Marcus Freeman has this program, has this program basically like going in the right direction, like the any concerns about him not being able to duplicate what Brian Kelly, what Brian Kelly was able to do for all those years. I think, again, I think he has his program going into the right direction and obviously, and obviously being able to go toe to toe with Ohio, a team like Ohio state that regularly plays in these big time games like this, you know, shows that they're, you know, that they're on the cusp of still being a, a playoff contender consistently. Well, this week, Notre Dame travels to play at Duke. They are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the game day, game of the week. The over-under is at 52. Stieg, what are you thinking in Notre Dame-Duke? I feel like you you picked me first because you you wanted to see how I would uh, pick this one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. And maybe pick I'm, I'm with, her, with her against it. I'm a man of morals. I, uh, Man, it, it, I, I saw this uh, this one post uh, after the whole ten men debacle <clears throat> that happened, and and it, this wasn't the first that had happened this year because it happened earlier this year, I think, against uh, Middle Tennessee or was it Tennessee State? Um, so it, it 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 to me that's that's kind of glaring. Like it, once, okay, like you know, mental mistakes happen in games sometimes, but for that happened twice where you're not subbing properly on defense especially in a, in a high profile game like that. I mean, it's the same thing that's happening with Florida when it comes to their teams right now. Like once is okay. Once is a mistake twice. We're looking at a trend now in college football. And to me, that's glaring for Notre Dame because that's mental mistakes. Like that cannot happen for a team who has built such a good standing kind of juncture at this point under Mark Freeman. So I'm taking Duke uh, to pull off the upset here. I, I think I, I really like what Belco doing this entire time, this entire year. Um, I, I think that Clemson win is just kind of the tip of the iceberg for, for how he's built up his uh, blue devils there. Um, he's going to be that hot name for a lot of teams and a lot of schools are going to be, you know, vying for his services when like a Jimbo Fisher gets canned or even it's Marty. So yeah, yeah, Michigan State might good. come calling soon. Yeah, they'll they'll call. They're going to call them. <laughs> uh, let's go with Vito. Where do you, Arden, Colin? Do you got what? Jump in here, Colin. What do you got? I was I was going to say we start about seven. Does anybody remember when Skip did this? Had ten men on the field on defense, two plays in a row. Skip Holmes did this while at USF. Uh, Was his, his excuse the same that he didn't want to get the penalty? <laughs> uh, that, that it was red zone. I do remember it was red zone. Um, I tell you what worries me a little bit. Now, I, it's one thing learning from your mistake, but like spending practice time to install a signal to have the <laughs> corner jump off sides. If this ever happens again, it's like, all right, yeah, fix it, but let's not spend too much time. Don't overreaction the, the other direction. Yeah, don't dwell on this too much. Just, uh, just go. I guess. Um, Colin, do you have a lean in the game? Yeah, tell me if Jalen Coleman's going to play. Um, did uh, three carries for eight yards last week. Um, I think he's the factor here for Duke. They're going to need him if they're going to be able to find a way to, to move the ball on the ground. Um, 
that's going to be interesting looking at injury report right now. Um, I'm seeing uh, Thomas uh, is questionable for Notre Dame, um, but Duke is not even listing Coleman as a possible injury. Um, he had not played until the UConn game last week, and then they only had him out there for three carries, which kind of makes sense when you're playing UConn, so I'm going to assume he's going to be full go. Um, you know, five and a half, 52 and a half, this opened two. Um, and the fact that, you know, it, w- it went to four like immediately, and now it's at five and a half. Um, if I can get six here, I'll probably grab the Dukies. Um, you know, some weird stuff happened at Wallace Reed. I think Mike Elko is probably going to be a candidate for every freaking job in America here um, pretty soon. I think they're going to need to pony up to keep him out of Michigan State or some other places. Um, he's really done a fantastic job there. Team doesn't make a lot of mistakes either. Um, you know, Duke is just really fundamentally good. But you saw what they did to Clemson. Uh, they just stayed with it. Grinded it, grinded it in the fourth quarter, like pulled away, you know, watch Clemson make mistakes and I watched them boot it. Um, Notre Dame doesn't make a ton here. I think this one's super interesting. It gets a six up. What's this line if Clemson doesn't fumble twice going into the end zone and they win that game? Um, how much, how much do you think that win is? Kind of I, I think it helps. Uh, it's technically, if you go by the, I mean, so you know, especially SP plus really factors that out a lot. Um, they've got Duke as a plus 14.6 anyway, which is really solid. Um, so I don't think uh, it makes a huge difference. Um, and Notre Dame actually lost some ground this week. They're at 19.7. So if you go by um, just the pure numbers, uh, you know, five, that's, you know, 5.3 point difference. They're basically giving no home field advantage for, for Wallace Wade. Um, and I think that's probably not right. Like I've been to games there. Look, man, um, that place is going to be rocket. It's going to be the biggest football game of the history of Duke. Like those, they're going to show up. Like it's going to be an, I mean, it's not a, it's not a great facility for that, but it's, you know, I'll give them half a point or a point for that. So yeah, give me the six, six and a half. I'll grab it. Yeah. I'm going to take Notre Dame minus five and a half. I just, you know, uh, Though I think the only worry is the letdown from last week emotionally, but uh, when you're uh, this high profile of a game, you think you'd be able to get back up for it, especially with a veteran quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame's defense uh, really – I just went back and looked. Ohio State had like a 33% success rate on offense last week. They really probably should not have won that game. So uh, I'll take Notre Dame minus five and a half. Nate, which way are you leaning here? I'm going Notre Dame. Um, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Clemson fumbled twice, like inside the 10 yard line versus Duke. And Duke has played literally nobody else. They played Northwestern, uh, Lafayette, and then uh, just a, another horrific team as well. Um, I like what Elko's doing there. I think, like you mentioned, he's going to be up for jobs soon. But the Notre Dame team is still light years ahead of what Duke is and they're better than Clemson. Uh, and I think it being in prime time, having game day there kind of will help them, you know, with that, the Valley of what happened last weekend, it kind of gets them back up. Like if it, if this was like a noon game, I'd be like, okay, how are you going to get up for a noon game at Duke? Like that's a little bit tougher, but prime time, national TV, things of that nature can kind of help elevate, um, the team and uh, five, five and a half. I worry, Spencer Schrader, former USF kicker, 
three for seven on the year. Buddy needs to get it together. Oh, for two from 40 yards, 40 to 49 yards, but he's hit 250 plus yarders. We got to, we got to see more out of you. They've switched uh, holders um, this week. So hopefully that um, helps, but that's the one thing that kind of worries me. Like if, if it's kind of close and Schrader's got to go out there for a kick and uh, he hasn't been good in like two years. So. <laughs> Vito, where are you going on this one? Ooh, man, that's rough on Spencer Schrader. I, I didn't realize that part until you mentioned it. Um, I like Duke here. I don't know. I You're right. It's a primetime game. I mean, yeah, back-to-back game days for Duke. Um, but uh, I, I'm sorry, for Notre Dame, rather. Uh, I, I just think that handsome Sam Hartman is going to go ahead and, 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 and put up some points on this, uh, on this Duke uh, team. Uh, one thing when I was looking at this game, Riley Leonard, who, you know, really good quarterback for Duke, only has two touchdowns on the year. Two passing touchdowns in the year just seems very strange when uh, he was seems seemingly is putting up some numbers. Um, Sam Hartman has 14 touchdowns over 1200 yards um, passing the ball. I think, uh, you know, a steady regimen of Audrick Estime, Sam Hartman uh, throwing it. It's just going to be too much for Duke. This has like 42, 17 written all over it. If you ask me, I, I think Notre Dame is going to roll with this one. So I like them minus f- uh, five and a half. Um I, I, I'm curious about this game. It's going to be fun because I want to see how good Duke really is and how good Mike Elko is. But uh, Notre Dame's just too good, and they're going to want to want to try to get some. Uh, they know they can't they, they can't lose many more if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. So I think they're going to go ahead and uh, and uh, put it on Duke here. Nick, where are you leaning on this one? I am actually going to stay away from the spread. I'm going to go with the under here. I think this is the worst possible game Notre Dame could play after last week <laughs> going into a jacked up environment with a really good uh, Duke team. That's um, they are ranked 24th in SP plus and people thought it was a fluke last year, but you look at their turnover margin numbers and they're still near the top of the nation in turnover margins. And I think, I think Elko, in his strategy is he's going to muck this game up. He's going to muck this game up. And that's going to be the only chance Duke will have to actually win this game. And also keep in mind that this Duke staff, they're familiar with Sam Hartman. They beat him last year, you know, and that was a high scoring game. I don't think this game will be that high scoring. So yeah, man, I'm just going to stay, stick with the under. Yeah. I think that's a good, good lean there. All right. Now, so we've got uh, now we're going off the board here. So kind of dealer's choice, whatever you like. I'll lead off. Um, let me see. I got it written down here. I'm going to go with Texas State as a six point favorite on the road at Southern Miss. Give me Texas State. Uh, Southern Miss has been pretty decent on defense in terms of success rate. Uh, but their EPA number is really bad. That means they give up a lot of explosives, and Texas State has been one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Uh, Southern Miss gave up 44 points to Arkansas State last week. So I'm going to kind of ride, even though it's on the road, and this is, I think, the first time out of Texas for Texas State. Uh, I'm going to ride with them, minus six in that new offense. Uh Nate, where are you going off the board here? Tell you, what, what you hey, tell you what, Seth, I'll give you a deal. I'll give you five and a half instead because that's what the line is now. Has <laughs> it moved to five and a half? Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. On DraftKings, right? 
That's all uh, on DraftKings and across the board. But yes, uh, fantastic. Well. Okay, that's the only book we look at here. We'll the take it at five of that's right. We'll take five of that. Nathan, where are you going? Uh, I'm going USC minus 21 and a half at Colorado. Um, I think USC is just going to bomb them again. I they're in for again. They're in for a rude awakening. Personal and uh, yeah, this one this one's going to get out of hand. I think. Yeah, I think that's. I can't. That's moved down, hasn't it? It didn't open at like 24 or 25. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think it opened higher. I, like, I, I couldn't in. believe. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was at 21 and a half. So I, I'm. I like that. I'm with you on that one. I like that one a lot. Stieg, let's hear it. Last week you took the USF Bulls as a two and a half point underdog, and they won outright. Are you going back to the back to the well? Nah, I stay away from Navy. I stay away from the military academies as much as you possibly can. I know you're going to pin one of them on me at some point, and I hate it. Um, nah, I, I I was perusing through, and uh, this one stuck out to me with some injury news of uh, Gerard Reedy. Uh, Texas A&M is a six-point favorite on the road against Arkansas. Uh, I like Arkansas. That is Especially a neutral, with Connor being out. I think that is a neutral, is neutral? site game, just for reference. That's a Jerry uh, roll. That's yeah. a uh, Jerry Jones. Oh, it is a Jerry roll. Yeah. Google lied to me. It says Texas A&M at Arkansas. So, you know, Google's a liar. Uh, but I still like Arkansas here. A six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I, I think uh, I, I don't not much of a believer in Max Johnson. Um, I know he played well in relief uh, for Connor when he was. went out. Yeah, right. Uh, Max Johnson yeah. over there. Uh, Brad Johnson's son, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I I just don't think that this Texas A&M team is is very inspired, uh, despite their record. Um, I just don't love them, and I, I think Arkansas, who's had a pretty good uh, reference to LSU last week, um, pretty good go at. I think they're looking for some positive momentum here. Um, so give me give me the Razorbacks, give me give me Pig, Suey. I like Vito. Where are you going? Do you have another sicko pick this week, or are you going a little more mainstream? Nah, I'm going to go a little more mainstream, but we're going to go out West because I'm a big fan of what Kalen DeBoer is doing out in Washington. And I like Washington, Arizona over 67. I think this game is going to be pointsy and I think Washington's going to put up a bunch. Michael Penix Jr. is going to have a day, but um, I, I do kind of like the I like, like what the Arizona offense has been doing as well. So um, I, I think Washington wants to win in a track meet is completely okay with that. And they, they gave up a lot of points to Cal last week, but it didn't matter. They're they're that good of a team. I would love to see this Washington Washington team like um, compete for the Pac-12 title. Um, as much as I feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State, I do think uh, well, you know Washington is one of those teams that is extremely good. But uh, yeah, they gave up 32 points to Cal last week. Doesn't matter. They put up 59. Who really cares? I think something like that's going to happen in Arizona. Uh, so give me over 67. I want to point to Delora. Is Delora the, still the quarterback in Arizona? Is he healthy? Um, I'm. A, that's a good question. That's a very good questionable. He is he's questionable. questionable. He's Fellas, tough, man. He's he's a, yeah, we might be making a mistake here, but it's okay. I think Washington can still put up 59 they points. They might get there by themselves, Vito. Yeah, it, it, it might get close. Um, I just think overs are more fun to bet than unders because uh, vote voting unders is lame and for nerds. Just kidding. All right, I, I, I I'm just a big fan of the Huskies this year. Yeah, they've been. 
quietly unbelievable. Like, uh, I think they're leader in a bunch of different, like, team strength metrics. They've been really, really good. So, yeah, I think betting on their offense is probably a good call. Uh, Nick, where are you going off the board here? I'm also going out west for the last game that will kick off this week. I am going Fresno State minus 24 and a half against Nevada. Our old friend Mikey Keene has been really, really good at Fresno State. You know, through four games, he has over 1,200 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's been great. Fresno's been great. They're, I think, at this point, the G5 front runner for that New Year's Six spot and plus Nevada they'll be playing a Nevada team that may be the worst team in FBS you know there's other there's a couple of other contenders but they're definitely down there I think Fresno just completely buries the worst team in the Mountain West this year so just hammer it with uh, the Bulldogs out there yeah they're like a year early because they would be fun to watch in the playoff next year because they've they've beaten two power five teams right uh, fresno has it'd be purdue right. wasn't there another one uh, hang on. and uh a state arizona state they beat them yeah so yeah that's a fun uh that's a fun team out there colin do you have something you like this week what's i got a bunch of like what's your better yeah than I got a bunch here. First of all, that USC line, yeah, you're right. It crept up to 25 this week. It's back down to 21 and a half. So people just keep piling on this Colorado team and Dion, despite what happened last week. It's just <laughs> wild. It's just crazy. Says. Um, Vegas make that money. <laughs> Vegas get paid. Um, I've bet one game this week so far. So what happens is, unfortunately, is because, as, as Nick is aware, so, you know, we have the lines that come out, and I can't really jump on top of the first ones to get out there. You know, sometimes I get stuck with a, a little bit of a late line move, and I've got to adjust my – my things during the week. There's one line this week that jumped out at me pretty quickly. I had USF on my board as a pick. I thought the beloved alma mater would be about two and a half, three points better than Navy on a neutral field. And so I figured home field advantage would be a pick. Comes out at two. So now, okay. I, I can see where that's coming from. Navy coming off the bye week. Um, yeah, I, I can kind of see it. Um, and then it gets bet up to four almost instantly. And then I finally get around to getting all my stuff done and I get, you know, I do all my stuff on Sunday and I enter them all in. It's four and a half. It's four and a half. USF plus four and a half. What? Guys, they did terrible, y'all. Did anyone watch the Notre Dame game? Did anyone watch Seth Hennigan shit himself on national television last week? Navy sucks. They haven't play- they ain't played nobody, Paul. And don't tell me the Wagner Seahawks matter. I'm sorry. I do not wear- like where Navy is going here. Uh they fired one of the best coaches in college football. I don't understand what the thought process is here. And let me- let's just look at some of these numbers, okay? Navy 1 and 2. Brian Newberry, by the way, Brian Newberry would love to get away from the triple. The one problem is with getting away from the triple is when you have no talent trying to win football games. They keep taking these deep shots down the field, down the ladder. They keep trying to go over the middle. They keep trying to do stupid shit. They're trying to change who they are. Be who you are, Navy. Be the triple team. Be Paul Johnson. Be Ken Niumakololo. This team's bad. They're really bad. They've gotten away with murder so far because Seth Hannigan, and by the way, 
that look at that Memphis score. Memphis scored on the or fumbled the ball on the plus one yard line to go up two scores. They would have walked away with it. They would have covered the 13 and a half most likely. That fumble, you know, maybe comes back on the field. They get a drive into the whole thing. Ignore that. Ignore that result. That is Memphis playing bad more than Navy playing good. I took four and a half years to get it's three and a half. I don't care. I'd take it a pick. You'll have to win this week. We're going to win this week. We're going to win next week, too. This team's good. Defense. And then, they, and then defense. Going, they hit then, people. We're going to UConn. And we'll be on site for when USF clinches bowl eligibility. You come? Uh, maybe we'll see. We'll see what I'm the yellow, we'll I'm see what the, we'll see how the membership drive goes this next. <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a news drop there. Dang, I love that monologue by Colin. That that was hilarious because uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, but I generally don't want to stick. I, I, I don't want to bet USF anymore. I'm like, what, what yeah, I think. Peter, go ahead and make sure you clip that when you're uh, editing the pod, just to make sure that we have that readily available. Because Colin's uh, reverse jinx, one way or the other, is going to work flawlessly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to timestamp the we heck have, out of okay, that. Look, USF has, prob- look, USF has problems defensively. They don't tackle real well in space. And they, you know, cover-wise, guys can get behind them. They have it. But at, up front, front four, front five, they get pushed against teams in this league. They're not The fact that they were getting pushed against Alabama should tell you all that you need to know. The talent is there. These guys are fired up. They're winning the, at the point of attack. Navy's different, of course. We all know Navy's different, but they're again, they're running less triple than they ever have. They're trying to get away from triple. That just plays right in USF's hands. They're going to make mistakes. I don't think USF just yeah. wins. I think they kind of run away with this. And Navy's uh, defense, 121st in success rate, 118th in pass success rate, uh, 104th in rushing success rate. And we all saw what Notre Dame did to them. And then that is against a Memphis team that was literally shitting itself on national television. They were terrible. And they still got away with it. Yeah. So I almost went there too. I uh, I just don't – if you can get – but the the on the road at a weird, funky scheme team always scares me a little bit. But I, I don't think they have anybody that can run with USF's receivers. So – if you can kind of protect it, and uh, they're not really good at getting generating pressure, you might be able to get some of those shots again this week. But uh, Byron Brown is not Seth Hennigan. We will not make these mistakes. We will throw the ball down the field. We will score. We will score repeatedly. It's going to be there. The shots will be there. I'm telling you. Layout. That's AAC leading rusher Byron Brown. <laughs> to you. Yeah, that is the nation's leading quarterback, rushing quarterback, Byron Brown. And All by right. the way, when it breaks down, he can take off too. So let's review. We've got uh, we were split on Oregon, Utah State, or Oregon State, Utah, rather. Uh, me, Vito, and C will have Oregon State minus three and a half. Nate, Nick, and even Colin here have Utah plus three and a half. Everybody's got LSU minus two and a half. We're we've got three. Uh, myself, Nate, and Vito have Notre Dame minus five and a half. Steve has Duke plus five and a half. Nick has the under 52 there. Then off the board, I've got Texas State minus five and a half at Southern Miss. Nate's got USC minus 21 and a half at Colorado. Vito, Washington's elite offense and Arizona's fun offense over 67. Nick, top G5 team, Fresno State minus 24 and a half against Nevada. And Steve has Arkansas plus six in Jerry World. With no Connor Wegman. And Colin has the USF Bulls plus three and a half on the road at Navy. So thank you for watching. Please leave a comment, leave a like, help us gain the YouTube algorithm here. 
Thank you for watching.